Hello and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim El-Wakil, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylog team. So today we're going to do a thing where we answer a question from a thing, person. Yay! <laughs> listen to questions! Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's going well. So, um... Right. Oh, yeah. So um, we got a question from uh, a guy called Daniel Joshua Joshua Rubin, who lives in Chicago. I've known him for a while now. We have kind of, as as we call it ourselves, an e-bromance going on. E-bromance? I'm jealous of e-bromance. Yeah, you should be. Um, (laughs) We went from e-pals to e-brothers. We chat a lot on Twitter. You can catch him on Twitter at MiracleDJR. Very nice guy. Um, and he is a playwright, and he teaches writing. Um, and he's always um, he's really interested in the craft, and so he's always like we're always talking about elements. And he sent me uh, a question, and I thought, hey, why don't I use this for a podcast? Because I'm resourceful in this way. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, so the question that he asked was um, essentially does the inciting incident spark uh, the major dramatic question in yeah. the story right yeah so um, the major dramatic question being the the question that you're asking as you're watching the, the film unfold or reading the novel you know how um, will this turn out yeah and not necessarily consciously not necessarily consciously, but yes, that kind of question, um, that central dramatic question. So does the inciting incident bring it up? And the answer is kind of no, and kind of yes. <laughs> um, so it, what the inciting incident does is it makes clear what the spine of action is going to be, and what kind of story this is, and where it's going, what's at stake, all those kind of things. So in that sense, it does bring up the central dramatic question. However, it kind of doesn't. Because you don't really know what the question is until the film is over. Because the question is going to keep changing and getting nuance and, and adding elements and losing elements as the story progresses and turns and changes. So, uh, the, the central dramatic... In hindsight, you can go, the central question that I was always asking throughout the story was this thing. But as you were watching it, you didn't know that that was the focal point of what you were asking because there's so many things going on. The narrative drive is pushing you forward. You don't have time to stop and analyze it. If you have time to stop and analyze it, the film is... I was going to say a bad movie. Yeah, it's not working. (laughs) So, um, but, you know, at the beginning of something, you might be asking one question. As the story goes on, that question starts to change a little bit and you develop things little nuances, characters, for example, will come into the story. Other characters will leave the story. So a character you might think is central is actually not. Um, so there's there's no specific point where everyone in the audience has come up with a specific question and is asking that one question. Rather, they all have a general sense of where the story is going. And then as writers, as critics, when it's finished, you can go back and try and articulate it in a specific way to help understand how the story worked. Um, to bring up a simple example, actually, yes. um, I don't know whether this will backfire or not. So we'll see where we go. Okay. Um, in Daniel's email, he mentioned Finding Nemo, yeah. um, which is now just at the forefront yes. of, of my mind. Um, did. Um, and so when uh, Nemo gets picked up by the boat and taken away, you, th- you, you wonder, 
uh, yes. whether Marlon will find Nemo. I yes. mean, it's in the title. Yeah. Um, but what you don't know at that point is he's going to meet a fish that can't remember yeah, who he, she is. You he, don't know that he's going to run into sharks, sea yes. turtles, etc., etc. You don't know any of that. You don't. You don't know. Uh, so at the end, they all kind of rescue each other. Yeah. And you don't. You don't. At the beginning, you're not worried about Dory. No. But by the end, Dory's integral to the story. And the story is like, will Marlon get his fat will get his family back? It's kind of what you're always asking, right? Yeah. But in your head, his family is Nemo. But at the end, his family also includes Dory. So that definition of what you feel is his family changes. The and also when you think, will he get him back? The level of danger that he's under, Nemo, changes. Yes. So again, so yeah, it's uh, in that sense. Yes, you have the central dramatic question straight away from the inciting instant. No, you don't have such a clear view of it. You, you wouldn't just... be able if if you watched a mu- uh, like a movie you've not seen before, so yes. maybe in a cinema, and you yeah. can identify uh, the inciting incident. If you pause the movie, there you shouldn't yeah, be able to you, articulate so the question. You go, what's this film about? Yeah, and they will go, uh, it's about him saving his kid. You go, yeah, that's kind of right. But then you'd watch it, and then at the end you go, what's it about? It's him saving his family. You know him getting a family back, him yeah. growing as a person. Yeah. There's all these extra elements that would have developed over the course of the story. In fact, if you at the end of the movie, what's it about? And he goes, it's just about him saving his kid. You'd have probably talk, just had someone now who's been rather bored for the last hour. Yeah, which we'll, we'll come back to that yeah. later in the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, not Finding Nemo, but... No, Finding Nemo is amazing. So is Finding Dory. Oh, have you seen it? Oh, it's very good. <laughs> I haven't seen it It's yet. very good. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. It's on my to-do list. Oh, it's good. <laughs> Just keeps me. Okay. Um, so you wanted to talk about yeah. an so, extreme example. So yeah, an extreme example. If you When you're trying to work these things out, um, I always feel like trying to find something that should really kind of disprove something is good because you can find the boundaries of it. You know, you find the exact opposite of what you're looking for. And um, for this, like, you, you know, does the signing instant aroused the central dramatic question or the obvious way to find out if that's true or not is to simply grab a film and there are loads of these films where they completely and utterly change halfway through uh, Paul Thomas Anderson the director of There Will Be Blood uh, the master he did Magnolia as well right uh, he put me on the spot here I think so anyway it is in my head his only movie is There Will Be Blood <laughs> Uh, in de- my top ten, he definitely did. The, he definitely did the master. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he calls them gear shift movies, which I think is a really good term for them—a gear shift movie. And a gear shift movie is essentially a film where, uh, as I point out in the genre book and as in lecture, there's not one type of genre. There's six different kinds of genre. So. Um, genres of content, genres of style, genres of setting, etc. A gear shift movie is where it completely shifts from one genre to another genre on one of those levels. Uh, so, for example, uh, a story that starts off as realism and then becomes science fiction, um, a story that starts off as a drama becomes a comedy, or a comedy becomes a drama, um, or a story that, I mean, it would start, say, classically structured and then turn into anti-structure which would be Barton Fink for example um, so that would be what you would call a gear shift movie right? mm-hmm. now specifically in relation to the inciting instant that's a question of content 
It's not a question of style. It's not a question of setting or anything like that. So we're talking about the principal genres now, the genres where they're about content, what the story is about. So when they shift that genre completely. Uh, now, when that happens, how the, the dramatic question, obviously, at the beginning, you think you're watching a completely different kind of film. And then halfway through the film, it completely changes into a different kind of film. How does that affect the question? Well, so if you look at a film like a really good example would be a million, it would be Million Dollar Baby. Now, because this is, as I explained, a gear shift movie, I'm about to spoil it for you. Okay, like if you haven't seen Million Dollar Baby and you want to, and you should, because it's very good, I'm going to spoil it for you now. All right, here it comes. Fine. Okay, so Million Dollar Baby works like this: Hilary Swank wants to be a boxer, and she goes to uh, she goes to the gym. She tries to be a boxer at this boxing gym, and there's two old trainers there: Morgan Freeman and Clint Eastwood. And Clint Eastwood does not want to train her. Doesn't want to train a girl, because girl won't put up with the hassle. She won't put up with the discipline and all that stuff. And she's but she still goes in there and she keeps training. She keeps training. She keeps training, and um, eventually takes her under his wing. And she comes really. She's really great, and they keep training. And she starts doing really well in fights. She's doing amazingly in fights, and she becomes a million dollar baby because she starts winning everything. And they're getting on really well. And then she goes up against uh, a competitor who is known to be a dirty fighter and a cheat and all that stuff. And that she's fighting and she's winning. Hilary Swank is winning. The bell goes for the end of the round. She stops fighting. That's when her competitor takes a swing at her because she's a dirty fighter. She hits her. She falls, but she falls on the stool in the corner of the ring and breaks her neck. And now she's a paraplegic. She can't move below her neck. And the film now is Clint Eastwood trying to help her through this and her begging him to kill him, kill her, kill her. And it's about euthanasia. And Clint Eastwood eventually does. And uh, decides to leave all the boxing stuff behind. And just kind of live out uh, the rest of his life in a diner uh, that he has bought. This was a guy who didn't want to train someone. Didn't want anything. And at the end it's like had to kill this girl. And So it's not a happy film. By the way, Million Dollar Baby. That was the, the first time I've heard this start yes. to finish. Um, because I haven't seen it all the way through, but my experience in Million Dollar Baby, yes. where I, just after I, uh, I'd qualified as a teacher, right. I was doing some supply work, okay. uh, and I worked in um, an RE department, mm-hmm. and uh, covering a lesson, they wanted me to show Million Dollar Baby, but the, the lessons were only like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. <laughs> So I played Million Dollar Baby. That's amazing. Yeah, the bell went. And I, and I was left thinking, man, I should be an RE teacher. Like, I could just show Rocky or something like that. This is great. <laughs> just show Rocky. I had no idea the second half of the movie. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah, that's... The, yeah. <laughs> just to watch it before the game. What a nice film. Yeah. Um, so... I wonder if she's going to become a champion boxer, that, I was thinking. That, that's it, right? right? That's that's what you're led to believe at the beginning. You think this story is, will she or won't she become a huge success? You think it's a performance story like Rocky, like Rush, like um, Monsters University, whatever. You think, okay, yeah. will she become this champion boxer? 
And you think, because it's such a convention in these stories, that their relationship, their surrogate father-daughter relationship, is going to be this nice subplot that is, um, you know, at the end they're going to go, yeah, we love each other, you know, father and daughter and all this stuff. You think that it's just going to be the subplot. But then the film comes in and and literally whacks you around the side of the head. And uh, you realise this story was never about her becoming a championship boxer. It was always about their relationship. Their relationship was actually the most important thing in this story. And so you have this huge rush of insight into the story. And the dramatic question is how much... What What's the limits of his love for her and her love for him? And is he actually going to kill her or not? Um, how how are they how is this going to turn out for these two people and so the whole story is about their relationship so when you think back as soon as that happens you think back all the questions about whether or not she's going to be a boxer those things you realize they didn't matter at all and all you remember is the scenes between them where she's working really hard and he starts to realize how much she's working and takes her under his wing and how how hard it was for him to let someone back into his life and how devastating it must be for him to see her in this situation um how he's the only family she has because her family does show up but they're only interested in showing up because they want money from her because she's she's rich now and all that stuff they want to be in her will etc and this kind of stuff so he realizes like the only person she has in in her life is him and how much she means to him, and so, so it's, it's really, uh, it's really beautiful. Paul Haggis wrote it. The Casino Royale, and, ah. uh, and in the Valley of Ela, which is excellent as well. Um, what's the inciting incident then in Million Dollar Baby? It's their meet. It's her asking him to train her. That's the inciting incident. Yeah, yeah. That's the what starts their relationship. Um. She asks, he turns her down. She fights to be trained. He trains her. They uh, forge a real relationship. And then she succeeds. And then she has this catastrophic fall. And uh, and then it's the... How deep that relationship goes. He doesn't abandon her, after all. He's there with her. So... It's nice, then, because the, the inciting incident for that story between the two of them yeah. as a relationship story is so intrinsically linked to the performance story. Yeah, it's... It's, it's very a, natural to, therefore... It's a real bait and switch, yeah. uh, but you realise it was always there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously, the central dramatic question isn't really apparent until she breaks her neck. Until the sport is removed from the story. Yeah, you don't realise that's what this story is really about, but then... A, you're not supposed to. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and B, um, the insi- that doesn't mean it's not the inciting incident. It is the inciting incident, that them meeting. It's just uh, you don't realise the scope of it. And when you watch the film a second time, it's clearly the inciting incident. You know where it's going. It uh, has a bit of dramatic irony, but you can see the structure of it and everything, how it's set up and so on. But you... You wouldn't think that her her falling and breaking her neck is the inciting incident of a new story. It's it's a major reversal in a story that's already happening. Sure, it it doesn't kickstart a brand new story. No, it doesn't. Because we mentioned um, when we were looking up gear shift movies, yes. uh, Full Metal Jacket came into conversation. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't call that a gear shift movie in the same 
sense because it's exactly the same kind of story. It's just that there's two completely different stories. Yeah. They just share a common cast. The first story is um, about um, the inhumanity. I mean, they share a cast and they share a theme, which is the yeah. inhumanity of war and how it dehumanizes people, etc. But one of them is a sniper film and the other one is like an academy film. Um, and they're, they're totally different. Um, they're not... The, the the first half of the film is about two characters that are not in the second half. It's about how Ali Ermi, his character, this drill sergeant, destroys um, Vincent D'Onofrio, mm. the kingpin. Uh, <laughs> how 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 he destroys him. That's that story. You could take out Joker. I think his name is right. You could take Joker out of that story yeah. and it doesn't really do anything. But Joker's there because in the second half, Joker's sort of the main guy as they do their sniper thing. Sure. Um, so, but that first half is... Joker's just the observer of that. It's not about him. So they're two separate stories. They're not... Uh, it's not a gear shift. Um, and other gear shifts we were talking about, like From Dust Till Dawn is a gear shift, but not in content so much as it is in setting. It goes from realism to fantasy. Suddenly there's vampires. Yeah. I fe- <laughs> Another funny gear shift story. Yeah. Um, I fell asleep <laughs> during the movie, the first one. <laughs> I, I don't have a very good track record with gear shift movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, watching the movie, uh, I fell asleep a few minutes before the vampires turned up and I woke up <laughs> yes. and... A, <laughs> As you can imagine, was a bit confused right. uh, why the uh, why the band were playing dead bodies and yeah that that would be why um, <laughs> but uh, yeah so uh, so that so I think that, um, the gear shift shows like the level of how much you can play with audience expectations but you see the thing the problem with the gear shift is you have to realize like you can do a gear shift but there's a risk involved and the risk is that you risk alienating your audience by so completely pulling the rug from underneath them. Because the audience are expecting one thing. Yeah, so if people come to see Million Dollar Baby and they really, really want to see like a Rocky feel-good type movie and then you do this <laughs> to them, they're going to be, well, excuse me, I did not pay my $10 to see this and be told maybe someone might die one day. And, you know, like, I don't want to... Who are you doing? I don't know. I thought that was a bit. It was not a bit. It was. Uh, it was not a bit. Um, gear shift. Uh, so, uh, but uh, so it can be incredibly rewarding because of the rush of insight, the adrenaline that comes from seeing such a stark change. You go, wow, where's it going to go next? How's this going to go, etc. But at the same time, you can really upset people. Um, and there's, there's like, okay, so. One I think of them now that I think about it, one of the most common obvious gear shift failings is chasing Amy, mm. which opens as a ludicrous farce involving a fake shootout in a public convention center and is filled with ridiculous racially charged comedy and it's very funny and people are explosive and then it suddenly goes, ah, we're gonna go do a really deep introspective romantic drama. And everyone's watching, going like, "When are the jokes coming back?" So I know this isn't a comedy anymore. Since when? All you 
and like it's even worse because the guy who made it, Kevin Smith, only at that time made slacker comedies. Yeah. So it starts with a slacker comedy about comic books, which is all he ever does, at least at that time. That's what his his thing was, and then it suddenly shifts genre halfway through a film, and you're like, uh, oh, actually within thirty minutes, and you're just like, this is completely throwing everyone off, and it, it didn't work at all. Um, another one uh, would be, I think, Fight Club. Uh, as as ever since I did this top ten one, everyone's yeah. been on their top ten. You have it on your top ten. Don't I you? don't. You don't have it on your top, on 10. top ten. No, it was close though. It was close. Yeah. But other people had it like at least three different lists of Fight Club on it, yeah. and um, which I will be putting up on my Tumblr at some point. I'm doing one a week. I want to, that's my plan. But <laughs> um, so you need to send me your tens, by the way. Um, go see that. Go go to that podcast. Leave a five star review and then come back. Uh, anyway, where was I going? Oh yeah, so we're a pe- five star podcast. Five star podcast. So um, Fight Club, people love Fight Club. I, my problem with Fight Club is it starts off as like a social drama with um, some sort of character arc, storyline, all that, and then it turns into pure action. Now a lot of people love that. They love that twist. For me, it killed the film. I'm not saying it's. I haven't seen the film since I saw it in the cinema. So maybe if I watch it now, I actually will really appreciate it. But regardless of whether or not Fight Club is good, whether or not Fight Club works, whether or not I'm wrong, is irrelevant. <laughs> My point is, me, I was watching Fight Club, I was really enjoying it, then the gear shift happened, and suddenly I really didn't like it, I was bored, and I just wanted to leave the cinema. Were you not, were you not taken in by the twist? No. Nope. So that's just where it lost it for yeah, you? Yeah, completely. I was just totally... I, I, I didn't... I, so with Million Dollar Baby, you know, as I point out, the uh, there's a setup in the sense that you got you have this rush of insight and you go oh this is what the story was about all along I didn't feel that with Fight Club I'm not saying that's not it's not there I genuinely I've only seen the film once and that would have been what ten years ago twenty years ago oh yeah right? it came in ninety seven right, right, right twenty years ago yeah, so I saw it once twenty years ago and all I remember is just switching off when that happened. So, uh, again, like, you know, it's been 20 years, maybe I'll, I'll appreciate it if I watch it again. But my point is, that's what the gear shift risks. Um, if, the, if whoever's watching it doesn't feel like that was the film they've really been watching all this time and they didn't realize until now, the gear shift can feel really uh, cheap and gratuitous and just kick them out the film. Um, but if if they can if they feel if if when the gear shift comes in they go, oh of course it was this all along, then all of a sudden uh, it can be very very rewarding. Yeah. But as as we're talking about the central dramatic question, uh, specifically gear shift films rely on doing a bait and switch with the central dramatic question. They rely on the inciting incident having two questions sort of in it. And making you think one is much more important than the other, and then at the gear shift, going, ha 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 ha, I got you. It's actually been this all the time. And you go, wow, well done, sir. Bravo. So going back to the million dollar baby example, yes. How how do they bait and switch with the question? How do they bait and switch? Yeah. Well, the the whole film, Clint Eastwood's character, it's all about him accepting her into his life. Uh, she wants to do this thing and he doesn't want her to be involved with her and piece by piece he can't help but fall, fall in love with her when I say fall in love I mean in terms of like a father yeah, not, yeah. not romantically uh, he can't help it he just he cares about her too much 
and you're watching him care for her more and more and more, and as she does well, you can you, it, like it's just this wonderful relationship that you're seeing build up, and it's very touching. So when it happens, it is just so painful, and you realize, yeah, that that was what was going on all this time. It wasn't. It wasn't. Will she beat the next person? That wasn't really what was. Pulling is, up my heart. is that the is that the part of the um, question they raise in the inciting incident yeah, that yeah. is then switched to the back because the, the, it's more about well, the, the, well, the way you would phrase it? I guess if you were to pause, it would be like, "Will he help her become a champion?" I see, okay. and then you realize, "Will he help her die?" Is actually the question, <laughs> right? Um, but it's that's that's what it starts. Sure. With. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it worth? I mean, when you're. Um, when you're writing your own stories, um, do you need to be able to articulate this sort of thing that clearly? Um, it depends on the person, right? So, okay, if you can articulate it that clearly, there's a danger that you become really stuck and rote and you won't be flexible and you become really hidebound to that phrase and you can't explore anymore and then there are other times where if you don't have that you just ramble and you don't know what you're doing so what you want to do is I think it's what I would do personally is I would always try to I always feel like if someone's giving me their story to consult if I'm when I'm writing my own work what I want to do the first thing is I want to get it as clear as possible and then just remember I can change it whenever I want yeah because sometimes if I get it clear and I don't like it, I'll just throw it away and start again. And sometimes if I get it clear, like if I say to someone, like, this is what your story is about, in like, this is how clear it is, bam, this. Generally, what people go is, oh, of course, that's what it was about. That's, yes, that's, that was in. It. It's like, okay, well, you can keep that. or And then I say, like, you can keep it or you can change it. It can be about this thing instead. It can be about this character or that character. It's up to you. So the point is not so much... I think it's good to know it, but you, it's only good to know it if you're not going to be suddenly, you know, just gripped by it. This in that way comes back to, I guess, um, playing that balance as a yeah. writer between writer and audience. Yeah, you exactly. do need to jump outside your own. Skin. You have to keep being able to jump both sides of that. Yeah, otherwise um, you get caught up, and it's just so easy. And also, you have that problem of this is what it's about, and it's actually not that about that. Yeah. Like, you've tried to make it about that, but you failed. Um, and so there's a danger in in it, uh, it, there's a danger in over articulation of your work because uh, on the one hand it's great because it means you know what you're trying to do but then there's no point in that being the case if you don't if you don't have the capacity to then judge whether or not you're doing it yeah so that means for example if you're writing a story and it's supposed to be a mystery story what you need to know is when you, people are doing it, it's not did they like this character it's like were they surprised by the mystery. Did they see the clues coming? Were the clues hidden, etc.? That's what you and you can't lie to yourself. That's why comedy is great. Yeah, because you it's good. It's supposed to make people laugh, right? Did they laugh? No, it's not funny. End of discussion. Doesn't matter how much you intellectualize the joke. Doesn't matter how much you can talk about this that they didn't laugh. Boom, you're done. Were they surprised by the end of your murder mystery? No, then it's not a very good mystery. Change it. End of discussion, right? Yeah. But it's very easy to lie to yourself and go, well, my story is about. Um, the pain of of creating art and it's like did they feel that pain no 
Yes, maybe. I don't know. They said they kind of did. Well, then you're screwed. You don't know if you did or you didn't. Just writing down on a piece of paper, this is what it's about, doesn't mean it is. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing. Yes, it's good to know. No, it's not good to think that because you've written it down in a little sentence, you've therefore done it. So sense? balancing act, as always. Bah. Bah. The balancing act. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so we talked about extreme examples. Yes. So let's come back here. Let's, let's, let's wheel this boat back around. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> boats have wheels. Yeah, uh, boats don't yeah. have wheels. They do. One big one to steer it. That's not... Boom. Boom. Okay. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, an example of um, an inciting incident yes. that is so on the nose that there is no surprise, no gear shift, not even a hint of... Oh, well, there's no progression. Right? There's no progression. Yeah, there's, no, yeah. there's nothing. Like, yeah, Okay, so it's one thing to say... So the gear shift is the extreme that says, like, ha-ha, bait and switch. Most deciding incidents, the vast majority of the time, aren't like that. They are, here's kind of where we're going making it clear it's an action story it's this kind of story it's this kind of story here we go uh, but there'll be some surprises on the way and you take these interesting detours but it's pretty much always going in the same direction you kind of know where it's going you might not know if it's an up ending or a down ending but that's it and there's lots of great turns you know it's a great crime story the big turns are who done it but not oh it's actually been a <laughs> it's actually been something else all this time it's actually been an enterprise story, or whatever. It's, right? That what? Something just popped into my head. Do you want Go me on. to segue now, or shall I bring? Go it ahead, up? segue into it. Seven. What about seven? Does seven shift slightly? No. What? It's a crime story from start to finish. So what about the whole? What, what about the ending? Yeah, there's a huge turn in. Se- I was actually thinking about seven, by the way. Uh, there is a huge turn in seven. Right. But the turn is not a gear shift. It's not... They don't change oh, so genre. It doesn't, sh- it doesn't shift no, genre, of course. It, the okay. question in, in 7 is, are they going to catch John Doe? And then at the end you go, oh, 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 oh. And then you're not really thinking anymore because it's too amazing. <laughs> but um, it, it, you, when you realise the depths of what John Doe's plan was and his crime, you don't really care. It, it, the, the question of are they going to catch him, they've already caught him. It's like, how, how is this going to turn out? But you're st- it's all about the crime. Yeah, it doesn't shift genre. It doesn't have a gear shift. But the question becomes it's a huge nuanced. Though, yeah, right? it becomes hugely nuanced. And yeah, exactly. Again, I think like, that's more what I was getting. Yeah, at. exactly. Hugely. Yeah. yeah. But that's so. That's so. Ninety nine percent of the time, that's the kind of change in dramatic question you would expect. A really great bit of nuance, progression, etc. Gear shifts much more extreme. Uh, in fact, if you know going into a film it's a gear shift, it's kind of ruined it for you. Yeah. Because the point is you're not supposed to realise and you go, ooh, that's fun. The opposite, of course, which is also very rare, which is someone goes, here's the inciting instant. Tra-la-la-la-la, and everything gets played out. I'm not talking about dramatic irony, where the point is you're going to show how it ends and then yeah. explain in more depth how it became about. I'm talking about films that are just boring. And a really good example of that, unfortunately, would be The Martian. Because The Martian... The signing instant, he gets trapped on Mars. They've got to rescue him from Mars. And they rescue him from Mars. Every scene in that film is uh, expectation meets result. I've got to do a thing. He records a video blog. I've got to do a thing of science to get myself out of this particular jam. He does the thing. It gets him out. Then they go, why? 
This is kind of a problem. We need a solution. Here is a solution. Let's enact that solution. The solution happens. Well, hey. Oh, there's another problem. Don't worry. The Chinese have a deus ex machina. We'll be fine. The plot rocket. The plot rocket that came out of nowhere. Um, and it's just... Okay. All the way through the film, just constantly, I have to do a thing. Do the thing. He did the thing. Boom, ba dum ba dum ba dum ba dum Oh, he got off Mars. What a surprise. So... The Einsteining Instant just tells you this is going to be a story about a guy trapped on Mars dealing with the problems of being on Mars, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. There's nothing to else. Kind of, uh, d- it's like Castaway in space. <laughs> to try and kind of bring it back to articulating it, uh, in the inciting, inc- the inciting Incident, when he becomes trapped on Mars, you ask yourself, will he escape Mars? And the answer to that question is yes. It's not like, yes, but here's all yes. the things that have happened along oh, the yeah, way. Oh yeah, at the end of the film, it's like, what would you say the question of this film was, will he escape Mars? Yeah, there's nothing else to that film. It's superficial. That is a movie where you could pause it after the inciting incident and ask somebody if they've not seen it before. Yes. What do you think this film is about? They go, it's about him getting off Mars, right? Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) And then you can just watch something better. (laughs) Like it's not a better film set on Mars. It's not terrible. It's nicely done. Yeah, John Carter's much better. It's nicely (laughs) done, but geez, it's boring. I just kept seeing there is like you are gonna. There's gonna be a turning point at some point, right? Like I'm just sitting there like. Something's going to happen that I didn't... Anyway. His potato farm gets blown up. <laughs> oh, yes, his potato farm got blown up. That, by the way... That is the biggest turning point in the film. He is the Heisenberg of potatoes. Oh. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so. Um, uh, I had a question that I was going to ask you. And, yes. Um, so I should point out as well, since we're talking about this, and genre shifts. Genres aren't stories. They're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. A story is made up of genres. A genre is not a story. It is not a blueprint for a story or a formula for a story. Stories use genres, and as I pointed out, there are six different kinds of genre. Uh, Those, they, so every story in a way is an amalgamation of at least six different genres, and often more. And uh, those stories, a story can shift genres as it goes through. It can combine genres, merge genres. It can have one genre running at the top, another genre running in the background. There's all kinds of ways. It's not a question of can you combine them. It's in what way do you want to combine genres because there's just so many ways of doing it. So, But a What's story the, isn't a genre. You've given a very good example of uh, a, a very good analogy mm. um, uh, before... Uh, which I think you used on Storylog. Colours. Yes. Yeah. So colours in the colour wheel. Um, But that... that, Okay, well, that analogy is not for this point. Was it not? No. (laughs) The the analogy I was making in that sense was I was trying to explain that um, imagine if you have a colour wheel and you're trying to explain to somebody what red is when they've only ever seen red as part of a full composition so you're trying to explain to somebody this is what red is this is what blue is you can okay. then take them and apply them however you want in a composition i'm but i'm mixing I'm up reverse an- i'm reverse engineering hues basically okay i'm i'm mixing up analogies then because you have said to me previously about uh, about colors and genres yes um, that like a painting is made up of yeah, exactly. different colours all these so, different colours combined so you can mix different genres to create a movie um, exactly that yeah so you can take red and blue and make purple right but purple isn't red or blue 
Um, and you have to to understand that you have to realize that if you've only ever seen purple, how do you explain to someone what red and blue is? Well, guess what? You won't imagine if there was no paintings that you, like no painting actually uses just red or just blue. There's always a compositional element to it. Um, red put next to whites, red put next to blues, red saturated reds, desaturated reds, tinted reds. That was yeah. No, that's I think the point that stuck with me. Yeah. Um, when you said something like that, you realize actually um, how rare it is to see a pure right genre movie. It's, it's very rare that a story will just be in one genre on uh, on one of these six levels that like it will yeah. just be action. It'll just right. be comedy. That's rare. There's generally some sort of messing around um, with things. It's not to say it doesn't happen. It does. It's just that it's it's rarer. Generally, there's some sort of subplot in a different genre and whatever. But um, the point is, the story at the end of it is made up of genres. But genres aren't the story. So when you know, if I if you take all the principles I, I lay out in action and sat down to write and you said I'm only going to use what's in this thing you can't write a story because you you haven't decided what medium you're telling it in you haven't decided if it's serious or if it's funny you haven't decided uh, if it's short or long you haven't decided if it's anti-structure or classical structure or minimalism like there's all these questions on completely different levels that action has no say in none at all action can do any of these things so you have to make all these other choices so you can't just write an action story. It has to be a long-form action story, a comedy action story, a drama action story, mm. a this story. It's going to be qualified in some way. But if you just remove all the concerns of content and just look at action, you have a full form that can carry a plot totally fine. But that doesn't mean it has to by itself. And it doesn't mean that there aren't other questions beyond that. So, as I say, genres are not stories. So, the, when I say, for example, that the, uh, an action story is about heroes struggling to save the lives of the villain, that is true. But that doesn't mean every action story is solely that question. It doesn't mean every action in Signing Instant only brings up that question. It means some action stories will bring up other elements. Some action stories... Uh, May, ha- may have other uh, considerations and so on. So, for example, um, if you're combining action and crime like you are with The Fugitive, for example, the villain, normally in action, the villain is incredibly active and incredibly on the nose. And like you know who the villain is, what they're doing, there's a MacGuffin, there's all these things. But in The Fugitive, that can't be the case because the villain is supposed to be part of a whodunit. So in order to mix them together... The villain has to take a back seat, but that's okay because the crime genre kicks in its conventions to help carry it to the end. So it's not just, you know, I'm, the, you, the principle is you go with the most clear examples and then you go to the most obscure. So I'm going like, this is red. This is what red is. This is how red works. This is how red feels when you put it in a painting. This is red. But then I don't mean now only paint with red. <laughs> I mean, like, use red, but use it however you want. If you want to use just red, go for it, but not necessarily. But if you use red, guess what? Every time you use red, it will still be red. It doesn't matter how much blue you surround it with, it's still red. So you have to realize, guess what? Red is a warm color. It's not going to change just because you've put lots of blue around it. It's still warm. But it doesn't mean you have to make a painting that's about apples. 
I'm glad I brought the colours up. There you go. I think I made that very clear. I also think I might have thought of another gear shift movie. Go on. Pictures to you. Predator. Yeah. Yes. I go with Predator. Nailed it. Yeah, Predator is a gear shift movie because you think, oh, geez, it's, yeah, that, that's a gear shift on two levels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because at first you think it's an action movie, but not just any action movie. You think it's like a cheesy 80s action movie. Stuck around, right? <laughs> All that stuff. And you just think, like, it's just, you just think that they'd say, oh, no, actually, this is a really serious horror film starring Schwarzenegger. And it's just like, this is perfect. This is amazing. Yeah, Predator is a really good gear shift movie. We yeah. should pick that. We should have picked that. Predator's excellent. Damn it. Yeah, Predator's a great gear shift because at first you think, are they going to get the hostages out? And it becomes, no, no. Are they going to get out? Are they going to do, what is this thing? Because it goes from, it's on three levels. It's on three levels. No, it really is. So it goes from action to horror. It goes from uh, almost comedy to right out tragedy. Right, and then it goes from realism into pure sci-fi. There you go. So it's on three levels. If only it changed from a film into a book, then it would be on four levels. Uh, but I'm like, it's, yeah, it's a three-level gear shift. How is it that we we did a research for gear shift films before we did this podcast? How did we not? Come not what? Predator? No one respects Predator. All they want to do is talk about the muscle mass. Predator. Predator is amazing. Well, they clearly they've uh, just been working on their glamour muscles. Yeah, that's it. I ah, uh, yeah, Predator's <laughs> excellent. Uh, okay, um, so gear, that was a gear shift. That was a gear shift, right there. Yeah. Podcast gear shift. Podcast gear shift. Five stars. Remember, <laughs> before we wrap this up, then. Okay, I thought I had. Oh well, no. I mean, just put the buttons on that. This is like the. <laughs> this is the denouement. Okay. Then you more. The what? If you have a question that you want to hear Basim ramble about, <laughs> and then Luke do a big switch of lumber at the end and go, yeah. "Hey, shouldn't we be doing this all the time?" Yes, Luke. Yes, yes, yeah. yes we should have done. Uh, if you have a question, then do get in touch at Twitter. Uh, you can follow Basim at ba- uh, Basim Story. Yeah, it's all one word: B A S I M S T O R Y. Uh, and I am under Lucius Malcolm. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, you can find us on Twitter. Um, yes. Get in touch with a question. Also, I made a note to remind anybody that wants to get in touch with you about their top 10. Yeah, their favourite 10 films. You have to listen to the podcast. Yeah. Their favourite 10. If you haven't Because you have to understand already. what that list is about. That list is about the deep human connections between people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and why Uncle Buck is the greatest movie ever made. You're giving away that podcast. <laughs> uh, you need to, yeah. So you need to watch, listen to that podcast, and then send me your list, and then I'm going to put it up on on my Tumblr at some point uh, because Tumblr I can put ten pictures because uh, I'll put ten movie posters with with your list, and it'll be awesome. And then uh, people will be like, yeah, people are great, and you can be part of our story toolkit community. <laughs> oh no, I shouldn't have said that last bit. No, no. No, Irata. Irata? Get rid of the last bit. Irata? <laughs> really? Okay. Isn't eratering just for printed word? You can't errata something. You mean strike it, strike it from the record? I want that last comment stricken from the record. Denied! <laughs>